If you are applying for a home loan, I would recommend, first of all, pay off all the existing credit cards or pay them down as much as you can, because in turn, it will reduce the utilization ratio. It will increase the credit score. Also, it will increase your borrowing potential, because if you have, let's say, $10,000 of credit card debt and your payments are 500, so you have $500 less of that you can qualify to for a loan. This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today we have Sophia Caranova. Sophia is a senior credit repair specialist and Director of Operations at Better Credit Service, a company specializing in credit repair services. In this episode, Sophia will tell us everything that we need to know about credit, how it works, how it's calculated, and what we can do to increase our credit score. You'll learn about what not to do while you're in the escrow process, some of the rules regarding credit, and how making payments on an overdue balance can actually decrease your credit score. If you're new to this podcast, subscribe to the show and leave a review. We release episodes every Wednesday and Sunday, and release the show notes on our site, everythingrei.com slash podcast. By the way, if you need help financing your next real estate project, check out Conventus Lending. Conventus is the best hard money lender with amazing rates and incredible service. I've used them for years, and they've always been incredibly easy to work with. If you need a hard money loan, contact me at sean at everythingrei.com to get $1,000 off of your processing fee. And if you want to know the secrets of how investors in the Bay Area are making huge profits in one of the most expensive markets in the world, Download the free Ultimate Bay Area Investing Handbook on our website, everythingrei.com. Enjoy. All right, Sophia, thank you so much for being on the show today. Go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know who you are and tell us what you do. Thanks for having me, Sean. I'm Sophia Kiernova with Better Credit USA. We specialize in credit repair, FICO enhancements, credit building for personal credit and business credit. Very exciting. So the first question I have for you is, can you tell me what credit is, how it works, and how does that affect us? So credit, especially in the United States, all of us have to have credit. If you have social, if you have ITN, you have credit or you must have credit because this is how our system is set up in the U.S. of America. So with the credit, there is an algorithm. There's a chart pie that the bureaus issue, right? So it has, um, you have to have, according to the bureaus, and by the way, bureaus are not government agencies, there's a misconception. Bureaus are private agencies that basically collect information and sell it to lending institutions, to employment agencies, or to employers, insurance companies, basically anybody that wants to know um, your resume, so to speak, would be a buyer of your credit history from the Bureau. And so the bureaus give you a, a chart pie that have a schedule of accounts, for example, or the types of accounts. So anything on the credit report is actually a contributing factor to the scoring algorithm. Like you have to have revolving accounts, credit cards. And the Bureau's algorithm really, really likes to have, uh, likes to see revolving accounts. You must have mortgage accounts. You must have installment accounts. Student accounts are not a big must-have on the report for the chart pie, but, but they do contribute for the variety on the credit report, and they count as an uh, installment account. And uh, there are also personal lines of credit, also installments. Uh, your informi- personal information also plays, it is a contributing factor to 
the outgo. If you have too many variations of your first name, last name, or the addresses, if you've applied, let's say, for a loan and you used one address and then you applied somewhere else for a loan, you used your parents' address, that's a variation, that's a red flag, and that can also hold your scores back. Yeah. And what would you say is like something that would hurt your credit a lot that most people don't really consider or know about? What hurts your credit a lot? Missing a payment. Every once in a while, I have a client saying like, look, it was only like $6. I missed a payment. I paid the late fee. So they should remove it. I personally agree. I think that consumers should not be penalized for missing a little payment here and there. Now, if it becomes a trend or if it becomes a habit, then yes, it's obvious. But sometimes, you know, it happens to the best of us that we overlook a bill or we don't think there is a balance, so we don't open the bill. But there might be yearly annual or the annual fee that kicks in for the certain card. But missing a payment is big damage on the credit report. And those are late payments are the hardest items to remove or correct on the credit report. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Like, why is it so hard to remove a late payment? Yeah, because you can't really fight it. It's because our work is based on legal chase more than anything else. In in order to correct or to remove anything from the credit report, we must have basis. Uh, We must be able to justify our demand. So if there is a late payment, let's say, on a Capital One for a client, and he really did miss a payment, by law, credit card companies or merchants have to report that payment history correctly. Now, if there is no proof of payment from the client, there is no way we can correct that because it's, the information is correct and um, the creditors are following the law and then reporting it correctly. Now, there is a uh, goodwill adjustment that the creditors can make on the consumer's credit report, but it also depends on the merchant, on the creditor, also depends on the history and depends on overall credit of the consumer. So if the client has low utilization ratio with all the other credit cards and has a good standing history with a certain mer- merchant, and did not have any past delinquencies in prior, then the probability of that late being removed is good. Got it. And can you talk a little bit more about what you guys actually do? Like if you said you can't really remove late payment, what do you guys actually try to go after? So once we review a credit report, um, our ideal client would be someone who has collections, charge-offs, let's say uh, public records, tax liens. There's five types of public records that we can help resolve. Uh, Those would be bankruptcies, judgments, short sales, foreclosures, and tax liens. And then the other derogatory items would be collections, charge-offs, even child support lates. We can help resolve those. What we do is we go um, through audit of every negative item. And based on findings, we can qualify that account for deletion, correction, or enter into stipulation, which is the same as settlement, and lieu of resolution of that account. Because if the account comes back validated and it's accurate and it is within the statute of limitations, either for the state of California, which is for collection or for the creditor to take legal action is four years, and for the account to be allowed to remain on the credit report is seven years, and that's from the first date of default or last date of activity. And if everything is correct and validated on the account, then the next best thing to do to resolve the account is to enter into um, settlement. And we have existing agreements with most of the creditors because we work with, I would say almost by now we know almost every other collector out there, uh, creditor 
and we can negotiate a payment or settlement in lieu of deletion of that account. I think I'm just giving you the whole overall, you know, and a, and a picture of how we operate. So we go through audit of negative items, and we also focus on positive items because sometimes if removing a negative item or a collection can actually drop a score, uh, drop scores just because of how the items are coded with the bureaus. And we also do a full scrub of personal information for the client because that is also a contributing factor to the algorithm. Everything happens simultaneously and our completion time is about two to three months and we can um, deliver results in two to three months. Perfect. And uh, what kind of credit score do you think someone should have to make a credit repair uh, worth it? You know, like if they're at a 720, they want to get into 800, it's probably not going to happen. But yeah, like what, what do typical client profiles look like? If somebody comes in with 720 and they say they need our services, the best thing I can offer is advice. I would, you know, they probably don't need us. And the, one of the secrets to passing the 740 mark is age of the accounts and the utilization ratio. So if the client has open and active revolving accounts, which are credit cards, and if they had them three to four years and they had 720, that's great. But even if they kept them paid off, that will most likely not push them through uh, past 740 because that's usually what the algorithm is. You must have something or the credit cards for five to six, seven years in order for the bureaus to allow you to pass that 740 mark. But then again, keep in mind that the algorithm is trend-driven and it's controlled by the bureaus. The bureaus do change it every four to six months. So what I said today might be different in you know, four to six months. But our clients usually inquire our services. Our client is usually somebody in 600s or below 600s, somebody who cannot qualify for FHA loan, for example. It, it's a government government note and in the back well, government offered government offered um, home loan and minimum requirement for FHA loan is usually 620. Gotcha. And you were mentioning that utilization ratio matters quite a bit when it comes to your credit score. And I've always wondered, like, if you had a high credit card balance, then when they do a hard pull on your credit, then your score looks lower than what you normally see if you paid off every month. Is there some kind of strategy, like, if my score is maybe say 690 because I have a high utilization ratio and I pay it all before, like maybe the day before they do the hard pull on my credit. Do you think it will jump up to that 720? Will it drop off to drop to 720? Uh, sorry. What I mean is like, I see that utilization score can like, I see that utilization ratio can drop your score if you have too much balances like on your credit cards. Mm-hmm. So if like for the month, I'm tracking it on Mint or something and on Mint it's saying it's like 680. If I pay off all my credit cards, like the day before they do a hard pull on my credit, will that actually affect it? Or is it kind of like on a month-to-month schedule? And what I see on Mint is pretty much what they're going to see when they do a hard pull. It doesn't happen right away because not every uh, credit card, the credit cards don't update on the same day to the bureaus. And let's say you paid it off today and let's say you pulled it tomorrow. It's There's no guarantee that it will reflect right away because there are several entries that need to happen once you paid off, the credit card company has to post your payment and update your balance versus uh, limit to the bureaus, to each bureau. And each bureau, in turn, has to update that in their system and do a rescore. They change, they do rescore or um, monitor or change your credit report on 
you know, I, I wouldn't say once a month, but several times a month, depending on the changes, how frequent your um, changes are. And the best way to monitor your credit is through the bureaus directly. Like, for example, I use Experian app myself. It's a free app and um, you can monitor your credit and your scores and it's directly from the bureau. So my monitoring, for example, is directly through Experian and I know it's a bureau, so I get my um, scores directly from the bureau. Any other monitoring services use their own formula because they cannot use the algorithm that is copywritten by the bureaus. For example, there's 54 different ways to pull your credit in addition to the different formulas that companies like Credit Karma uh, use to provide the score because their FICO is different from actual Equifax FICO. Gotcha. And I'm sure you've worked with other maybe like mortgage originators in the past, especially when dealing with clients who need to get their credit up. And I was wondering, I think a lot of people are scared of, you know, like putting a bill on their credit card or, you know, opening new credit cards or opening or doing things that create hard credit pulls, such as like turning on utilities uh, while getting a mortgage. Do you have any uh, tips about that? Like if you're in the middle of getting a loan, should you not do X, Y, and Z? Yes. If you are applying for a home loan, I would recommend, you know, first of all, pay off all the existing credit cards or pay them down as much as you can, because in turn, it will reduce the utilization ratio. It will increase the credit score. Also, it will increase your borrowing potential because if you have, let's say, $10,000 of credit card debt and your payments are $500, so that means your $500, you have $500 less of that you can qualify to for a loan. Now, if you're able to pay them off, increase your credit score. Also, don't apply for home loan at numerous locations because I, sometimes I have clients that come in from uh, as a referral from one mortgage lender and while we're in credit repair mode they go and apply it with different mortgage lenders it doesn't make sense because at the end of the day it costs us loss of points as it, each inquiry happens we lose points and it's more for us to recoup and then at the end of the day you have Freddie or Kenny that every lender or every bank uses basically the same basis to qualify an account, to qualify a client for a home loan, right? The, the basic qualification uh, requirements are the same across from one lender to another. Some lenders may have lower credit requirements. Some lenders may have lower cash requirements. But again, you still need to have higher. Credit is the first step to qualify for a home loan. So golden rule would be, don't get into debt, pay off your credit cards if you can. And if you have to buy a home and a car, get a home first and then get a car. Yeah. I mean, don't get a car loan. You can buy the car if you pay cash. Just don't get a car loan in the middle of your escrow process because that kills deals. I've heard that story quite a few times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or before buying a home. Right. Yeah. I've heard statute of limitations. You, you mentioned that a little bit earlier. Does that mean that I just not pay my <laughs> what I owe somebody for seven years and it goes away? Like, can you explain a little bit more about statute of limitations on on credit? Sure. So, statute of limitations is what that means. There's two of them. One statute of limitations for the state of California for the creditor to have the right to take legal action against the consumer on unpaid debt is four years. Meaning, uh, if a consumer walked away from a credit card, let's say three years ago. 
now we're coming up on year four and there's an outstanding balance. Now that credit card went into charge off and then it went into collection and the client is thinking, well, it's, I haven't heard from them. They'll go away. Usually anything that's over $500 in the state of California, especially does not go away sooner or later before that four years up, they will get summoned. They will get served. And if they ignore the summons, the creditor can win by default and there will be a judgment. And in California, judgments are renewable indefinitely. So the judgment is not really going away either. And once the creditor gets judgment granted, then that can cause a wage garnishment, bank levy, so for the full amount, plus the legal fees. So it can turn really ugly really fast. My recommendation on that would be if you ever get someone, if you get a judgment, don't ignore it. Do go to court. If you have a court date, do go to court. And if you defaulted on the credit card, there's, it's your legal responsibility to pay back the credit card because it's, think about it, you know, you, you took the money, you used it, and it's not okay to just walk away from it, <laughs> regardless of if it's a bank or, you know, some people think, oh, it's a bank, it's, they have a lot, all the money, it's nothing to them. It's not about the bank, it's about you, the consumer. That's about doing the right thing. And when, usually when you go to court, for example, um, you can negotiate a settlement in court with the creditor directly, or you can negotiate a repayment plan. And that's always better than getting that judgment and waking up to zero balance bank account or getting your wages garnished. Now, the second statute of limitations is seven years. Seven years is for the creditor to have the right to report on your credit report that negative item. That credit card was defaulted seven years ago and that turned into collection. Let's say this year is going to be seven years. Now, Capital One, let's say, is going to be dropped off, right? If there's a balance after four years, creditor cannot take legal action, but they have the right to remain on the credit report for seven years. And let's say that that same Capital One with the balance remained on the credit report and that turned into collection. Sometimes collection companies like to count from the date they purchased, if not from the date of default. But the statute of limitations starts from the, the date of default or the last date of activity, meaning if you let's say, entered into a settlement agreement with Capital One and you paid, let's say, one payment, but then didn't continue with your commitment, that restarted the clock. So that seven years can start again. Got it. And yeah, so you're mentioning about activity. So you're mentioning like an individual probably shouldn't do this alone and try to settle on their own because once they talk to the bank or whoever they have some kind of default with, then that resets the clock and that can drop the score because now you made all of your old activity current again. Uh, yeah, that's usually in regards to negotiating with a collection company. Yeah. Yeah, collection companies usually are not your friends. They're in the business of collecting, whether it's information or money. Um, they don't always play by the rules. Now, I'm not saying that they're, all collection companies are bad. There are good collection companies that they're ones that do comply rules and regulations. But a lot of the times... It's important to make sure to validate the debt, to make sure that this is the correct collection company. And just because of the fact that it's a common practice for collection companies to sell the past due debt to each other. And let's say that same Capital One debt went from, for example, from portfolio now is to Midland. Now somebody else has it. So you have three different collection companies, collections on the credit report for the same amount for the same credit card. Who do you pay? 
So what we do is we trace the account back to the original creditor who has to say where the account is. And in some cases, if it's more than four years or merchants sometimes do write off of the unpaid accounts and there could have been 1099C issued and they no longer expect to get paid on that, then the collection company has no right to collect on it because the original creditor is not expecting to get paid on it. In this case, we can always have the, uh, the collection or the account sent back to the original creditor. Yeah, but if they happen to talk to them and give them some information, does that reset the clock on them? Talking to the collection company, not necessarily reset the clock, but I've seen collection companies treat it as an initiative to pay. So if they re-enter and make an entry to where a client attempted to make a payment or made a payment, that will restart the clock. Wow. Yeah. So you got to be really careful with that because you got off scot-free and then now you kind of went back into it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, so talk, let's talk about credit cards and closing them. So is there like an ideal number of credit cards to have? Is there a number that's too many? Is there a number that's too few? And yeah, what are your thoughts about closing credit cards? Sure. Um, I would say ideal number is between three and four. And if anything above five, I would say is too risky. Because first of all, it's hard to keep up with five credit cards, especially if you're using all of them. The chances of you missing a payment on five different credit cards or one of the one of the fives is higher than one of the three. And I would always recommend setting up an auto pay for each credit card just in case. And that auto pay is on top of your regular payments that you make. Because if you set up another pay, let's say a minimum, say $30 per credit card that you, your bank is scheduled to send out that money to each credit card on monthly basis, no matter what, whether you have a balance or not, or whether your minimum payment is that or higher, there is a payment received, there's registered if you forgot, or if you were a little bit late on the payment, it prevents the late. Anything above five is risky to have, and closing credit cards usually drops the score especially if you close a credit card with outstanding balance, because what happens is you close down your limit, outstanding limit. Now it throws off the utilization to over 100%. So it shows, let's say you had one credit card with, for example, $100 limit. Now you closed it at $20 balance. Now your utilization is 120%. Yeah, gotcha. So you don't want to close credit cards. I mean, especially if they're some long-term credit cards, and from my own personal experience, I had a credit card from when I was in high school and I was using it for a long time, but then I didn't use it. And I think 10 years went by where I didn't even use it. So I had this one beautiful credit card that was making my score really beautiful and then it closed because of inactivity and then boom, score went down by a lot. So lesson learned. Now for every credit card I have, I always put one utility on it and just have it on auto pay just so that it stays active. Right. Yeah, and also with the credit cards, retail credit cards are the ones that can shut down due to inactivity. It's good to have credit cards, especially if you've opened them a while ago. And sometimes I get asked a question, oh, I don't even use this credit card. Should I close it? I recommend not closing it because that gives you the age on the account. That gives you basically a depth for credit history that helps you to pass that 740 mark. Uh, now, with the retail cards, if you haven't used them in a while, six months or so, uh, retailers usually shut them down. Yeah, makes sense. And is there a story of you hearing from a client where like, maybe the bank was wrong or the creditor was, they had also wrong information? And you know, is it recommended for them to go and call them directly or should they go find a service like yours to 
kind of argue on their behalf? Yeah, of course, it definitely happens. Our most recent win was for our client, and it wasn't anything negative on his credit report, and his payment history was perfect and no collections, but there was a conflict, not a conflict, but it was, yeah, probably a conflict that he had with a lease company, with the with his car company. He leased a high-end vehicle, right? And his lease was up after three years. So he decided to extend it for another four months to keep the vehicle until he found something else. And there was an extension, a lease extension offered to him for another four months. Uh, but the instructions by the vehicle company was for him to, for the client to sign lease extension and send in the payment. What client did, he sent in the payment, he paid for four months in advance, but he did not sign the lease extension. And after the four month lease extension, a vehicle company was supposed to pick up the vehicle uh, or the dealership was supposed to come back and pick up the vehicle and they failed to do it. So they left the vehicle at his possession for another three months and they decided to bill him for that three months that they did not pick up the vehicle. Now, the flaw was in their contract, it didn't say who's supposed to pick up the vehicle. It didn't say if the client was supposed to bring the vehicle back to the dealership. Now, it was a $3,000 a month lease It's a, on the high end. That's a nice car. <laughs> yeah, a very nice car. Plus, they charge him late fees. So when he went to refinance his home, which you, know, you can assume not a small amount, there was a past-due payment from this dealership on his credit report. And four months of late pays reported on his credit report that dropped his credit to 640 from the high 700s where he was. And he was furious. He hired an attorney. He was fighting them for about a year without, you know, they didn't get any, you know, the CFPB was involved and they could not resolve. So it was more of a thing of a principle. He refused to pay the outstanding balance because it was not right. He did not owe them the money. But their argument from the dealer was that he did not sign the extension lease but even though he paid the money and he did not bring the vehicle back to the dealership. So he's, you know, he fired his attorney after being six months in in, an argument with the dealership. And then his mortgage broker recommended him to use us. Our fee was to resolve this. We charged 249 to start the process. And because we were unsure of the outcome, we treated it as a public record. So with public records, we bill 500 per dealership per bureau only when and if we are able to delete that item from the credit report. So the fee to the client was 500 at the point of success if we're able to get this deleted. We inquired with the dealership. We found that there was, even though their argument was that a client did not sign the lease on the contract, there was also no requirements for him. So he didn't sign the lease extension, right? So, but there was not a requirement for him to sign the lease extension. Now, if they disagree, they should not have accepted the payment from him. Acceptance of payment that activated that lease extension. And for the client to bring the car back was not a requirement because their services, we found the advertising that this dealership had where they say they will deliver the vehicle like a baby to the client and they will wrap it up and take it back as a baby. So that was a good enough argument to fight the, the injustice. And we did bring the CFPB back into this case and we did point out the details. And CFPB works just like a judge in the, in the case, so to speak, right? 
because you know, when you go fight the case, you have to prove to the judge why you think this is wrong, and here are your facts, and then the other party presents their facts as well. And if you don't have enough facts, then you know the other party says, well, he didn't sign the extension of the lease, and that's it. So the judge hears that because they don't know uh, unless you provide enough evidence to overwrite what they're saying. So long story short, we were able to win that. They not only reversed the late pays and removed the $15,000 late that they were demanding from them, they also wrote them a nice apology letter for that correction. So long story short, we're able to win that case. That's awesome. It was not easy, but it was, yeah. Yeah, because if they got a lawyer or attorney, it would have been way more expensive. He did have an attorney. He did have an attorney for six months fighting this case without success. He probably spent more than 3000 Yeah, he paid more than that to uh, have an attorney. Because, you know, with attorneys, they specialize in a certain area. And we have a different approach on this. And with us, it's, uh, we don't get paid unless we get it done. So it's in our benefit to succeed for the client. Perfect. Are there any stories of how you help somebody raise your score just enough so they can close on a property? Yes. So one of the stories was uh, when we had a client uh, in escrow. He was not our client you know, before he was in escrow. A couple was in escrow and they were, um, they, by the time they found a home, they discovered there was a utility bill or utility collection that posted on their credit report. And that dropped their scores about 30 points, which could disqualify them jumbo loan. And that utility bill was for, for a rental home that was in a different state, and they were not aware of that. Now, the client called in. They wanted to pay the utility bill. The underwriter asked them to pay off the utility bill, but they called in to pay it off, which actually dropped your scores even more because sometimes paying off a collection is not a good thing. Why? Because collections are the items that go on the credit report as a negative item. So any activity on the collection triggers a triggers a loss of points. So when the collection is reported, it's a negative point. When you pay a collection, it's a negative point. And when the collection is removed, it can also be a negative point. He made a payment, but to his luck, the uh, the payment did not go through. I guess the billing or something was wrong. So they came to us and, and were able to negotiate a settlement in lieu of deletion of that collection for the client. And a matter of 11 days, we, uh, the, pay, the settlement was paid collection was removed. We got the code, posted it with all three bureaus, and the loan officer was able to pull new credit report, and they were able to close the loan and uh, move into their home. That's great. Um, do you want to go into that a little bit more? How, or if you make the payment, then you drop the score. But I guess if you pay them some other way, like you said, you managed to settle it without having the score drop. How does that whole process work? When dealing with a collection company, it's very important to have an agreement in place before you make a payment, because a lot of the times uh, it's in collection company's benefit to keep the collection on the credit report. They don't have to agree to remove it from the credit report, but it may be your obligation to pay that collection, but they don't have to agree to remove it unless you can negotiate that ahead of time. Got it. Yeah. So if you make a payment, let's say if you agree to settle the collection with the collector and you made that payment and then you went back or you came to us and said, okay, now I paid off and like, help me remove it. So it's harder for us to remove paid collection than an unpaid collection because that leaves us no room for negotiation. And the collection company has no reason to work with us because that debt was already satisfied. 
it was already resolved in their books. So the answer we get to our demand is it's no longer a dispute. It's already been resolved. We're good to go. Mm-hmm. Nice. So since you've been working at your job, and uh, what are some of the things that you think most people don't know about credit? Most people don't know about credit. I guess like common questions that they have, common misconceptions, things that you have to educate your clients over and over and over again. Common misconceptions is that it would be on the late payments. Uh, it's a lot of the times clients think like, okay, if they missed a payment or if they paid a, a late fee, that will recoup or it, you know that late payment can be removed. That's not necessarily true. And misconception about medical collections. People, uh, my clients sometimes think that having a medical collection does not affect the score. It does. There was a ruling to where it was not supposed to affect, but again, the algorithm is controlled by the bureaus and it's trend driven and they change, it's up to them to change it. So it may not, medical collection definitely affects the score. It definitely causes a drop, but it may not be as drastic as it was before. That and also, if you had a name change, nine out of 10 people don't file requests for name change with the bureaus. It is, you have to do that because otherwise you end up with a split file where you start getting new accounts under new name, but your old accounts are still reporting under old name. And if you have more than one name variation, more than one name, more than one address reporting on the credit report, it is a red flag. So basically, like if someone's getting married and they have their last name changed, they should not only obviously go through like the social security part, but they should also contact the credit bureau. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Name change is a lot of work. Yikes. Who, who does that for you? Are you supposed to go to someone like yourself to do that? Or is it like a separate form that everyone signs when they get married? Uh, when you get married, it's a filing in, in, um, in family. Usually in California, it's probate. Probate court. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. And we can help with the filing too. We can, if there's a name need for a name change, we can... Uh, up with the filing and we can do the changes uh, with the social security administration. We can do a change with the bureaus, uh, with existing accounts and all that. Nice. Do you want to talk about the cost structure for your services as well as the timeline to do your credit repairs? Yes, we do have a custom tailored approach on each file. We, I recommend having your credit reviewed before enrolling with us. We have two main uh, programs, so two main plans. One is a platinum plan where we review your credit report and then uh, after analysis, you receive a full quote that includes time, cost, and scores. You can expect that completion. Uh, you'll see a full picture. So you know where you're starting, where you will be, how long it will take, and how much it will cost. That usually takes about two to three months. Um, on the average, completion time is two to three months. Score changes depend, uh, or score improvements depend from credit to credit, anywhere from 20 points to 80 to 90 points. And the cost also depends. Our base price starts at 450, and then it's 150 per account uh, that adds on to the 450 base cost on accounts that are four years or younger, and then $100 per account that's older than four years, and then the public records add on as well. So a cost is based on the amount of work that's required on that credit report. Or we have a silver plan. It is $199 a month with one-time enrollment fee of 249. And that's up to six months because in the state of California, as a credit card company, we cannot have a client enrolled for longer than six months. So that runs for either contract runs for up to six months. But for the silver plan, client can enroll right away and uh, it goes on a month to month basis and they can uh, either stop services or continue for six months and go as high as they can within six months. Or if they reach their goal within a month or two months, 
they can um, stop the services if they reach the growth score. Got it. So for those enrollment plans, it's basically that you guys are kind of like on retainer for those months and actively working on the file. But then once their credit is good enough, then they can just stop and move on. Correct. Yeah. Cool. Well, Sophia, thank you so much for being on the show today. Do you have any last tips that you'd like to give to our listeners before we finish off? Yeah, good You know, tips to, for good credit. Don't miss a payment. Keep your utilization at under 30%. And if you're anticipating a big purchase, I would recommend requesting a line of credit increase with the credit cards. This way, if you have to buy something big and your line of credit or your uh, your balance your limits are higher than uh, they were before so it's still um, not going to hurt your credit and plan for christmas maybe put away cash because i see a lot of my clients credit scores drop during christmas and they call me and say no reason like well the reason is because the utilization went up and uh, don't overextend yourself on credit because look at it this way if you can't pay cash for it then just wait and maybe you shouldn't be buying it at that time Yep. Give some solid advice. Yeah. And as always, if there is any problems, credit related issues, uh, we are always here to help. It's never the end of the world. Uh, there's always a solution. As long as there's a will, there's a way to resolve the issues. Perfect. And do you want to give your contact info? Yes, of course. Our website is bettercreditservice.com. We do have a 24 hour support. Clients can go on our website and chat with our representatives at any time or call us directly at 408. 408- Six five five four two three five. Again, it's four zero eight six five five four two three five. Or email us info at bettercreditservice.com. Perfect, Sophia. Thank you so much for your time and teaching us about credit. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Sean. Here are some of the key takeaways from this episode. Now is a great time to get your credit back up. If you plan on purchasing a property in the next few months, you need to make sure your credit score is above six hundred and twenty. If not, you should work with companies like Better Credit Service to improve your credit score. The sooner you work with them, the better chance you have of raising your credit score to a satisfactory level to get a decent loan for your house. Be sure to check out their website, bettercreditservice.com, to get more information for their services. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find the show notes and other episodes on our site, everythingrei.com slash podcast. If you live in the Bay Area, join our meetup group, where we meet up twice a month in San Jose at meetup.com slash everythingrei. And if you thought this was a great episode, let me know what your key takeaway was and share it with a friend who's interested in real estate investing. Thanks and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It will only take a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at sean at everythingrei.com. That's S-E-A-N at everythingrei.com. Thanks and have a great day.